And I know people say that cats don't listen to anything, right? But they they are actually quite. You can actually teach them. Oh, I've changed that to the wrong thing. That's uh, cool. <laughs> you you can actually train them a little bit they're actually quite well behaved and you can train them a little bit but this one is just rebellious and he just does not listen to anything and he wants his everything his way 100 percent of the time and it's yeah like having a, what i imagine is like having a teenager so yeah. do, you, do you consider yourself to be more like him or more like the other cats I, I'm I'm not rebellious, really. I guess I'm re- I'm rebellious within legal boundaries. Um, <laughs> so, so it's a it's a law problem, like a, a rules and requirements kind of situation. I, I'm, I'm a I'm a good guy, I'm yeah. k- kind of a good guy, I guess. You're Sometimes. you're uh, insinuating that your cat has been breaking the laws, then, Craig. Um, is is breaking Craig laws? Is breaking laws of the house? Um, <laughs> which is got it. To, to shut up and just just be a cat just lay down and just be a cat that's what cats do isn't it they just lay and it clearly is looking for attention today so yeah he is if if you have to bring him on interested <laughs> in what he has to say on this topic tonight yeah that'd be interesting how consistent he is seems to be persistent at least he is he's persistent yeah he's consistently persistent um <laughs> I, I, I want to begin, we had the fish and chip thing last time, I want to begin yeah. with the question that I asked on Twitter yesterday about what is the most British thing about about you, even if you're not British, what is the most British thing about you? It's oh, so is, do, do you want to start recording? Is that already happening? I've already started. Okay, well, uh, I, I may, may want to answer that question as a, a owner of four different uh, Harry Potter sweaters. Um, I, I think that is the thing that connects me the most to that beautiful, beautiful island, beautiful country. Is that the whole uh, Potterverse is uh, that's what's happening to me? Even though I do like an English breakfast, I kind of feel the sensibility of uh, your fine people, <laughs> if I may <laughs> call them that, <laughs> is uh, has always been most clearly expressed through this uh, set of novels to me and i quite find it quite endearing so <laughs> so that, that would be my thing my my access at least to british culture is mostly through weird looking food although as a german who, who am i to <laughs> complain about weird looking food and um this parallel universe of wizards it probably works for me yeah wizards are really british yeah we're we're all wizards <laughs> you guys have a monopoly now because of jk rowling yeah, that's right do we I really think you can take that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most British thing about you, Jamie? Hmm. Um, well, I, the first time I ever visited London, um, it was like a two and a half day trip. And I remember that we ate fish and chips for every meal. Yeah. I, I think I maybe had it four times in two days. Nice. That's awesome. London, London fish and chips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we had that discussion. Well, you got to tell me if there's a difference here. Uh, I don't know if we knew what we were doing, but uh, clearly didn't really understand um, what we should be eating, if, if anything. What, what, um, we what heard did, of fish and chips. What did you eat? Fish and chips. Literally that. That's it. That's it. Okay. This is like the first time I went to Paris and we ate like crepes for every meal. <laughs> Number one, I, like we were poor college kids, so there wasn't like right. you know, we weren't going to five star restaurants. Um, but yeah, in, in London we ate fish and chips four or five times in, in two or three days, and uh, in Paris I, I think we ate crepes for every meal because number one I couldn't speak a word of French, um, and so I could I could walk up to a stand and order a crepe and get by just fine. <laughs> yeah, in terms of fish and chips, they are entirely regional. So I, w- I will say that, and not only are they regional, they are uh, also territorial, uh, territorial and tribal. So um, London fish and chips, I, I don't recognise London fish and chips as as being uh, as part of the fish and chip delicacy, because uh, tribally I am I am not from London. I am a northerner, not a southerner. So I. 
I wonder if there was ever like a fish and chip based war or conflict in the country because it kind of sounds like there might be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all all, all civil wars and and fights. So there was the famous War of the Roses, um, mm. which is Lancashire versus Yorkshire, which is the the next county along from me, Lancashire. That must have been started by fish and chips. It's 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 got to have been. That's that's the thing that everybody argues about. So what's interesting about fish and chips, I'll, I'll tell you, is that not only are they regional, that you actually call different the same thing different things in different places. So you you will not get a fish cake, what I know as a real fish cake, in London. You will also not get proper curry sauce or gravy or real mushy peas or anything like that in London. Uh, a fish cake and... Barnsley, where I sit right now, fish cake is fish, potato, battered. In London, if you ask for a fish cake, it is a parsley fish cake. And if you drive 10 miles away, a fish cake is potato, fish, potato, battered. And if you drive another 15 miles away, it's called a turnover. Uh, And if you call it a fish cake, you get a parsley fish cake, which is just like the London one. Um. And also, it's so complicated. It is. It is. It's in, incredibly complicated. I literally drive five miles away, and it's like I will like Jamie in London the first time trying to order fish and chips. You ask for things, and they look at you like, "No, you're not from round here, mate. You don't know what you're talking about." Well, I think they could pick up on my accent and know that I definitely was not from around there, which was great. But the points you're bringing up, Craig, just show how similar um, all of these different parts of the world are. Because I grew up in New Jersey. And it's the same thing in the north and the south of our state. Uh, you either call it a sub sandwich or a hoagie. Mm. Yeah. Or Taylor ham or pork roll. I mean, there's all of these different foods that you will know where this person is from just based on how they describe it. Yeah, we have something similar with pastries here in Germany. There's some things that are called uh, Berliner, but in Berlin, you don't even call them Berliner, which is weird. And then uh, they're called Kapfen in some parts of Germany. And um, the people get very much confused because uh, in particular, because in some, some bakeries, you will get something completely different for the same word. I mean, that's that's the most confusing part. I feel it's like you 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 call it a cup, but they call something else a cup. And now you get that, then you get confused, and they get mad at you for telling them explicitly what you wanted, but uh, you didn't want what you wanted, and the whole thing. It's it's very interesting, and I would also believe that this is generally just the way human tribes work, right, with each other. They have their own little internal consistent uh, language, the lingo. You can kind of you can see this even. Uh, talking about our entrepreneurial community, right? We we have this. We have parts of the community where bootstrapping is a very clearly defined phrase. And then there's parts of the community where this is a phrase that you're not supposed to say anymore because it's now self-funded and more inclusive, which makes a lot of sense. And then there's customer funded and all these little different words that essentially try to really just name a business that is sustainably built and doesn't have outside funding. You know, it's just little different words and one word might mean something else to somebody else. It's kind of what I ran into with my book, my, my latest one, wanted to call audience first, but then people told me what they thought audience first was. And there was this like group of people who really agreed with what I was thinking. And this other group who completely dismissed what I was thinking because they already had their own definition. And in that case, you just don't call it anything like that right you just try to not call it uh, anything that could confuse people and come up with a new equally confusing but at least um commonly confusing term that everybody's confused by so now they don't really have this fight going on they just have to learn what it means uh i think that's that happens to me quite a lot because i'm in multiple communities at the same time trying to balance reaching out to every single one of them with content that appeals to them and it's kind of hard to, to get that right without inviting controversy. I don't know, do you have the same with, with your work in public? I actually really like how you have, number one, brought us back to topic, um, <laughs> but number two brought up a really interesting, really interesting idea because I think uh, as writers and as creatives, one of the things that we, we oftentimes forget is the power of, of language and the power that we have as writers of inventing language and I'll just take, for example, um, uh, an article I was reading maybe a year or two ago about the creator economy, probably one of the first really kind of like published that coined the term, coined the phrase. And 
you know, when, when you as a writer begin to invent language that begins to be adopted by large groups of people, you become that lighthouse for that concept or that idea innately. And so I think the power of, of language is really important. Um, if there's not a, you know, there's not always a perfect word or perfect uh, phrase to describe some of the things that you might be doing, especially if you're pushing boundaries. And so the power of language um, and inventing terms that help you create your own personal monopoly builds a moat around you. Um, and I, Arvid, I'm really excited to kind of continue to hear as your book evolves, just what some of the languages that you're starting to put on, on some of the concepts, because you're writing about something that will last for the next 10 or 15 or 20 years easily. And we're at the very, very beginning of it. Mm. Hope so. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's who said I'm going to butcher the phrase, but the, the phrase is, is something, something like until you give something a name, it doesn't exist. Um, I, I think that's more important than ever for kind of the online stuff that we're doing and trying to build an audience and, creator economy and all those terms i experienced it only recently when i started making videos on twitter and i was i was trying to think about think about giving it a name or something or or, or what do you call this i'm not just making a video and the thing that happens on twitter is you've got visual twitter you you know you've got writing twitter intellectual twitter you just make up another one of those names don't you so Mm -hmm. i said who wants to be part of video twitter and as, as soon as you give it a name, it's another tribe. It's it's like the whole fish and chips thing all over yeah. again. Once you, you give it a name and you give it a, a location, and you say, I am, and then people can say, I am part of video Twitter, and they can jump into whatever it is you're doing. Your tribe basically is. It's tribes, isn't it? It's an identity building for sure. Right? You're building something that people can identify with and identify as, particularly if it's an action that you do, right, in, in, in a public space. And, and building in public is another example for this, right? That is quite literally the description of something that is completely different for everybody. Like, yeah. everybody has a different business. Everybody has different events happening to it, and everybody has different learnings that they draw from it at different times. Yet, there's this cocoon around it called building in public that people can unite under, and then they have their share that completely different yet similar experiences. And I, I guess that's that's really the point, finding a name that describes it well enough to, to share or to show the similarities without going too deep into the specific details that are different for everybody. So which I guess video Twitter kind of sounds to me like something from the 90s, like VHS Twitter, but you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It, it's something that um, if, if people inside this community understand it to mean what you want it to mean, that is a that is an interesting phrase, and I yeah I'm always drawn back to to building in public because that is such a powerful thing, like it just includes really what you're doing and who you're doing it for, and and it's it's in the name that is a super strong word for me, which is why so many people are doing it. I, I feel because they completely and immediately comprehend what it means and they see it. It's, it's something we don't even need a word for it. You kind of can you can see it where it's happening. You don't need a definition. You see it while it happens. And um, that, that is something that maybe bringing us back to our topic is also just happening because people are consistently doing it. Like if it was just a thing that you do once and then never do again, like you share some insight, you're not building in public. You just shared one thing. But if you every week or every day you share something about your business, well, now all of a sudden people consider you as somebody who is building in public. It's almost like a, an identity that is projected onto you. Right. Okay. This is a builder. This is a builder in public. This is a founder, a public transparent founder, even though you might not even know it. I've seen a couple of people who've been sharing stuff for years and only now do they understand that there's even this, this movement building in public. And then they get slightly confused. I've been doing this forever and it wasn't called building in public before. And then people say, yeah, okay. Now just accept that there is now this group of people who have found this to be an actual described method of doing it and join it. Right? Come into the community. Don't fight it from the outside. Just become part of it. And then the community grows. Um, and consistency is at the core of all of this, I feel. like um, At least, I think, for the people that I find interesting in the building and public community. Yeah, I think one of the interesting examples of this is what Dickie Bush has done with Ship30. Mm. Um, and talk about inventing language. So uh, kind of coining that concept of atomic essay. 
really, really simple idea of 250 words or less um, and putting it in practice daily, uh, building a community around accountability. Um, I think it's, it's one really great example. Another one would be uh, what we've seen with Beeple over the last 13 years. He invented this term every days uh-huh. and he's published a piece of art every day for the last 5,000 plus days, 13 plus years. Um, I think, I think the moment that you begin to invent language around your habits, um, it better, it better enables others to kind of follow along. Mm. Yeah. I, it, it helps the, the whole tribe, the whole tribe thing. The, the thing I, I always, always say is consistency builds brand. I see it every single day when I'm helping clients improve their branding and all that kind of thing. I'm always telling them consistency builds brand. Consistency builds brand. They want they want a logo or they want a new name or whatever, but you can literally pick any name. The whole atomic essay thing, Dickie could have called it anything. He could have called it Red Elephants or, or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. The name is not the thing that's most important, but it's the name that people focus on. Um, and if, yeah, it may have been harder to remember if you call it Red Elephants, but if he would have been hammering home every day that this 300 people every month are making a red elephant every day, yeah. it's the consistency that's building the brand. And and once once you've built that, once you say the same thing over and over and over and over and over, people know you for that thing. I, there's, I, I, I'm an example of this. I make stuff on Twitter every single day, um, either write tweets or make visuals or whatever. Quite a few people call me... Mr. Consistency or whatever and it's no mistake that I tweet about consistency all the time I consistently tweet about consistently consistency can't even say it now Um, because that's kind of the thing that I'm known for and interested in and then when I made the daily visual community that's a similar kind of ship 30 for 30 thing about apart from for visuals that is all around making things every single day consistency Again, it's it's so important because whether we like it or not, people want us, they want to compartmentalize us into something. I, I want to know Arvid for something. Jamie, I want to know you for something because it makes it quicker for me to like put you in a box inside my brain. So if you... So at the minute on Twitter, you're writing the short stories, aren't you? And the thing right now that I'm remembering about you the most is the beautiful images and the beautiful little stories and things like that. If tomorrow you decided that you were going to make black and white sketches every single day, I have to reset that thing in my brain. Uh, And if you do that too much, this is where the consistency thing comes in. If you break that consistency too much, I'll never remember the thing that you're known for. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, actually, another layer on top of that is if I break that consistency too much, if Craig wanted to tell someone else about me, he might say something that I was focused on a year ago or three years ago or five years ago because that was the brand that I was building at the moment. So the, the moment I switch gears once, twice, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, every single time Craig knows a little piece of me. And anytime he's trying to share with the world a little bit more about who I am, it's very, very difficult for him to hone in on the one thing that Jamie wants to be known for. Um, and I'm someone who I have switched gears two or three times in the last 12 months. Um, I was writing really long form essays at the beginning of last year on using business as a force for positive change was also focused on this like good notes like physical postcards for a little bit of time now i'm diving deep into this idea of short stories i think they connect a bit but it, it goes to show every single time that i made a switch in my primary area of focus i lost a few people mm-hmm. and whether it was like i lost a few followers or i lost a few uh, subscribers or something else that's one thing but what's actually more important to take away from this is i lost clarity for my audience and what my focus was um, and so I, I, you know, encourage everyone, it's not to say you can't switch gears. It's not to say you can't change topics, but Craig is absolutely right. Um, every single time you do, um, you lose a little bit of clarity, not just yourself, but from everyone else that's, that's out there and listening. 
do you consider this uh, a good thing or a bad thing? Because it kind of sounds like you are aware that it comes with the drawback of losing some sort of followers or momentum or clarity. But it also sounds like you really care about the subject you like pivoted into. Like, is, is there a balance for you to strike? Or do you just go where you want to go and deal with uh, the fallout? Well, I think, I think it comes back to a topic that we've spoken to previously, which is like the more personal we can make it, the better. And so everything that I create, it's a little piece of me that I'm sharing with the world. And so I think, you know, a year from now, three years from now and five years from now, every single little piece that I share is going to provide this fuller picture of who Jamie is. And, and so all, all of these little different things that I've been putting out there right now in just 12 months might look like, blah, like, what is this? Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I think, I think five years from now, when I've built this body of work, it will all make sense. It will all connect. I, I am not someone who is going to come out of the gates with rapid hyper growth in my uh, audience as a result of not having a very clear focus point. Yeah. I will take, for example, Robbie Crabtree, like performative speaking. The guy talks about speaking, right? And because he said such a clear focus from day one, he is able to attract other people that are interested in speaking yeah. or learning about writing and storytelling and speaking. Very, very clear. Boom. Magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie I, and, and Robbie, you know, I talk to him every single week, like fantastic, fantastic um, human being. Um Robbie is, is someone who may reach a, a ceiling in his area or category um, if he doesn't expand out into other topics. And he's, you know, he's thinking about this and trying to figure out what other ancillary areas he can begin to absorb. Me, myself, like I, I haven't chosen a niche yet, so to say. I have a couple of niches that I'm really interested in and I'm still trying to find that fit. But um, I, I think over time I'll find it and it'll be an escape vacuum from there. Um, but for now, I'm just enjoying the process of uh, experimenting, testing, showing my creative side and, and, and learning more about what fits. I've thought about this a lot. I've thought about this a lot because when I made the decision to kind of take Twitter seriously last year in February, I had a very clear picture that I was just going to be Mr. Serious Designer, Think Boy Designer, Arvid, on, on, the, on Twitter all of the time. That was it. I was just going to talk about design. And then I I realized that, yes, I was getting followers pretty quickly because I was very, very clear on what value I provided. But God damn, I was bored. I was bored of just saying things about design all the time because design is one very small part of, of, of me as a, as a human. Uh, not as me really as a as, as like a craftsperson it's a very big part but as a human it's a very small part so I made the decision then after trying to do it for a couple of months of being consistent with talking about design I actually rode back a little bit and I started being a little bit stupid on Twitter and now mm. you see that I am stupid most of the time on Twitter but what you get is a fuller picture of me and I can turn me to anything it, it, it doesn't have to be a design product or a, you, you know a visual product or anything because you are following me to just you know talk to me just just have have some fun with me the the two biggest tweets that i posted the last two days was what's the most british thing about you and and then the other one was tell me your favorite font and i'll tell you a fact about you that that's like there's nothing really to do with design yeah because because they're engaging great because they're interactive because they are actually about you as a person reacting to something yeah. that another person does it's not the think boy part where you tell them the truth and you're they now they are enlightened and shall go <laughs> forth and do their bidding or whatever right it's really about a connecting as yeah. a person, particularly now when nobody leaves home, it's like that, those things are particularly powerful because, um, yeah, we need that. And I, I'm super happy that you bring up this kind of kaleidoscope of, of um, 
what you can be, right? Because you're not just your job and you're not just your one identity. There's this, um, yes. this, this whole book by Amartya Sen is an Indian philosopher and he's been writing about identity and the identity trap and the identity crisis. And he kind of starts out this book um, just talking about how we have all these intersecting and over, overlapping identities. I'm a man, I'm a father, I'm a soccer fan, I'm a, in this case, if I were talking about myself, uh, not a father, but I'm German, I'm European, I'm uh, like from Berlin, and uh, like dogs. then I'm also, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not British, I'm also uh, inhabit the world, I'm a, I'm a world person, and I'm yeah. a Star Trek fan, and I do love like J.K. Rowling's writing, and you know, if you have all these layers through which you can either connect with somebody or oppose somebody, somebody mm-hmm. we, some people don't really don't like Germans, but they're perfectly fine to socialize with somebody who loves Harry Potter, right? And you can connect on that level and ignore the other one. So and that's that's kind of what, what Twitter is for me as well. Like some people might not like my really shitty memes that I post sometimes, or people might not like my often very um, strong position on certain topics. And, and then they try to fight me and I don't react, stuff like that, right? They, they might not like that, but then they might like the articles I post or the things that I highlight, the other people I, I celebrate and their successes. You know, like there's more than just one particular thing about you. And if you can encapsulate that, like what you said, essentially what you do is you, you have the, 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 the crack filter to all those things that you do, right? Everything you yes. do is, oh, who's that? Kitty. Is that Alfie? This is Barry. This oh, Barry's a good guy. He's a good, he's a good cat. Yeah, as you can see, <laughs> same color as me. The best. Yeah, one. yeah. So I, I guess that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> God. Oh, what a joy! But it, that's funny. Yeah, it, he also is is part of you. I guess like part of your brand. <laughs> very, very calm. Very relaxed. So wait for everyone listening. Uh, Craig has just brought one of his three cats onto the show. <laughs> Avid Avid was making a really like father like son so yeah they they are quite quite similar Avid was making a serious point but yeah your your filter is like that act alone is proving my point right like you're you're not serious designer Craig you are uh, Craig who talks seriously about design and lifts cat up like in the Lion King that is (laughs) by the way I, I do that too often I'll just tell you, yeah. I, I do that too often. And it's fine. That, that's why I follow you. That's exclusively why I follow you. You know, like that that kind of stuff just makes you you and you're interesting. And I feel um, you have to be interesting for people to be interested in you. And by being interesting, it's not just talking interestingly or, um, you know, like having some innate interestingness as a quality. It's mm. doing interesting things and exposing other people to interesting things at the same time. And that can take many shapes, right? Yeah. I think th- many shapes may be the central point. Like you could do lots of stuff and still be yourself in a unique, cohesive, even personal brand. Yeah. yeah. I, and the topic today is consistency. I think one of the things like I'll, I'll say is consistency and showing up. Mm-hmm. Now showing up can take multiple forms, but consistency and showing up, I think is really important for me. Um, like not skipping a day, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to the gym, <laughs> Uh, and your, your habit is, is going to the gym, like don't skip a day. Even if you show up, you take a drink from the water fountain and, uh, you put in five reps on the bench, like that's showing up. Right. Um, and usually showing up leads to a little bit more, but the important thing is showing up. I think over time you will find your like area of focus. And so when it comes to consistency, consistency of voice, consistency of you being you, I think over time that that form takes and i think at the very very beginning just consistency of showing up is really important yeah i i i really want to hammer hammer home a point here because i know what people will be thinking because i thought the same when i first tried to jump on twitter we're saying be consistent blah 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 be consistent and 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 your future will appear but everybody says well what do i say what how, how can i be consistent i don't know what to say and when I first came on Twitter, I had a, a very real experience of this. I did not know what to say. I did not know how to write it. I defaulted to writing about design and also some think boy type tweets. And I didn't know what to say. But to Jamie's point, I turned up and still did it, 
even though I didn't know what I was going to say. It was the only reason I continued and then eventually found quote-unquote success with it was the fact that my my constraint was to turn up every day, even though I didn't know what I was going to say. Yeah, I built an accountability system just like that. Like the daily Twitter stuff, just really wanting to have at least one meaningful interaction every day. And that kind of forces you to show up just to look at stuff, to find a way yeah. to interact with people. And then weekly creating content, right? I, I quite quickly forced myself to do this because of the newsletter, because I had people that actually expected something from me every week, not just wanting to do something every week, but for my, my own internal motivation, but getting somebody else to say, hey, I expected something this Friday, right? <laughs> you better show me, you better write that 3000 word essay like last week or else. Um, and that kind of actually forced me to keep writing those. And turn, turns out that was a good idea because then it turned into the book, which is now a, a revenue source. So um, that, the consistency alone is an interesting tool or, or generator of something that you might not even understand is valuable. Um, I want to add one more point because we are talking about consistency of self, consistency of, of showing up. But there's also a certain consistency in your environment. Like you can consider... Um, just on Twitter, for example, like if you follow interesting people and enough of them, you will be consistently exposed to interesting content. Because that's what one of the problems of starting on Twitter is you don't know what to say and you don't know how to say it. And even if you were to say it, nobody's listening, right? So um, my, my advice is always find the most interesting, most renowned or, or most community active people and start listening to what they have to say. Start engaging with them and without becoming a purely like a reply guy kind of person, just interacting in a meaningful way that provides value to to the whole conversation and then you will figure out what you're interested in because if you if you show up on twitter every day to interact with people well you're going to be exposed to interesting new things on twitter every single day and you, you don't have to like do scroll through twitter if you are following interesting people, there will be no doom scrolling because it's going to be like a bloom scrolling or whatever that would be called. Like something grows or something comes out of it, right? I, I, I personally do this every morning, which is probably not the smartest thing to do with Twitter, but I follow so many founders that all the people not talking about founder stuff, they get drowned out by this. So every morning I see people talking about a new sale they made or about a new feature that they put in and all these customers just float into the business or people whose businesses failed and now they're starting something else. There's just always something going on. And then there's a couple of think by tweets. I'm like, mm, yeah, wonderful. And then there's a couple of really interesting tweets that uh, people that I can engage with and I do. And then it's awesome. I right? just this yeah. morning, I woke up to uh, a reply to one of the tweet said that, that Danielle, my girlfriend, actually uh, envisioned a couple days ago. So somebody sent a picture of my book on their base amp, and there was a base in the background and a, and a Monstera plant right next to it. So we have a base and a base amp and a Monstera plant here and my book. So we recreated the picture, just tried to perfectly match it, and took a, took a shot and, and posted it as a reply, it just as a little joke. So what happened this morning? Another guy, um, actually one of the people that I interviewed for my most recent blog post that I also released yesterday or today about lifetime deals, he took a picture of my book on his iPad on his bass or guitar amp with his guitars next to it. Like that kind of stuff is just the cutest little thing, right? It's just something really connecting because all of a sudden you have these musicians slash founders that have found another thing that they share and now they can yeah. visualize it and bring that into community. And there's so many other people that like we could form a, an orchestra at this point that um, <laughs> just have read my book and are playing one of these instruments. And I just love that. That's just the most wonderful thing. And that happens when you are exposed to this consistent stream of people that have interesting things to say. So consistency internally, absolutely. But also put it into your environment. Allow for consistency to show up for you so you can show up for it, right? It's just, it's just another way to, to motivate yourself by seeing how other people are consistent as well. Yeah, I mean, part, part of the way to think about this too is like, I don't, I don't think any of us pay pay for advertising these days, mm -hmm. really for anything. There's no, there's no need uh, as you're building an audience. And I, I think of like the organic reach that we can have uh, only happens if we show up. <laughs> like I could be spending hundreds of dollars a day on Facebook ads, or I could be getting on Twitter and starting to put some of that information out there myself. Yeah. Right. And so when I, when I think about, 
like consistency. When I think about us putting out ideas into the world, Arvid had that idea come to him. He threw something on top of it. It snowballs into something bigger. Like, you know, this is a domino effect here. Like one small thing could have a much larger domino effect. Um, but you have to push, provide that first push or one of those small first initial pushes yeah. in order to have it happen. Yeah, and you need to be the one to make it consistent, right? Everybody has cool ideas and everybody wants like the whole 30 uh, shipping 30 for 30 kind of situation. That is a great idea. And people probably already wanted to do a month of work before. Uh, but Dickie took it into something that he could then forcefully get people to do it every single day with an incentive that they paid, paid money to be part of it and this kind of communal accountability situation. But he turned it into something that wasn't just an idea that he would like to do. It was actually a thing that he did and he did it for a long time and he's still doing it and he will probably do it for quite a while because accountability is something that people need every single day, right? So you need this kind of initial, this inertia, this kind of moving it from a mere thought that you want to see in the world into an actual thing. Dickie's the only one that can stop that domino effect now. He's created one. He's created one. If, you know, if he wanted to stop it, he, he could, but like he's created the momentum. I think what's happened with Dickie <clears throat> is a really powerful thing of consistency is when you turn up every day and you don't expect anything in return, eventually you can ask for something in return. And I, I don't think specifically Dick, Dickie did ask for something. You know, he said, I'm making this thing, come be part of it. But because he'd turned up every day for so long, because he'd built a, built an audience, because he'd been consistent, he now had the social capital to be able to say, okay, I've, I've made this cool thing. I'd, I'd love you to, to come along. Because everybody had already got so much value out of his tweets and everything else that he was already doing that now he can turn that to something else. I think that's one of the really important parts of of consistency, that you are seen to be consistent every day. Like the, the, the two tweets that I had, with the, the, the stupid British thing and, and the stupid font thing, I had like 500 replies or something, and I've been sat on Twitter for two days, replying on Twitter for nothing. No, I'm not making any money from it or anything, but... If I didn't reply to any but any of them, no one would reply again, and, and and I'd lose a little bit of that social capital. And if I stopped turning up and giving value, just just like both of you do on Twitter, it'd seem disingenuous if I wanted to ask for something from people. Then, and I'm not just talking about money here as well. I'm I'm talking about even when I ask a question on Twitter. If I ask a question, you know, if if I've not been on Twitter for three weeks and I ask a question, and I want a reply, I'm asking something of the people who follow me, but I don't deserve to ask of it, because I haven't been there, have I? So I think the consistency thing also plays part in that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, comes, it comes to, like, kind of developing that reputation, too. So I... I I, I'm sure there's a lot of folks that are probably new to Twitter listening to this and trying to figure out where they get momentum. Like it comes, it comes down to like starting to build that reputation online. It can't happen in one day or 30 days or 60 days. Like it does take time. And that's one of the kind of difficult and frustrating things at the very, very beginning um, with, with time, with, with consistency, with you showing that you're willing to show up and put in the work then it begins to build a halo effect around you where others will be attracted and interested in supporting you in one way, shape or form, just innately due to human nature, seeing, wow, like Jamie showed up every day for a year, like, man, he must be interested in something. Like, I don't know what it is, but I, 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 I see him showing up. I want to support that or I want to engage in conversation or ask him questions or um, learn more about what he's doing. So I, I think there's something about showing up one of my favorite writers uh, on Substack is Packy McCormick. It's not boring, right? Like it took him a whole year to get his first thousand subscribers. And he took a couple of different twists and turns to get there. Um, I think it was May of 2020 last year that he kind of landed on this format of what we now know is not boring, his investment memos. Um, and I think the moment he kind of hit his one year mark, everyone saw 
wow, this guy's serious. He's going deep and he's writing 10,000 words a week. Um, maybe I should, maybe I should pay attention here. Um, the moment that happens, <laughs> the moment there's that aha moment is usually after someone shows up. <laughs> um, and, and so I can't underscore that enough. Yeah. I, th- I think we 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 we're all like uh, completely flabbergasted by, by the topic. Uh, I think I want to return to another thing that somebody said earlier that I didn't get chance to say when we were talking about uh, Arvid's example of the um, wow. I went to reach for my glasses. Then I haven't even got my glasses on. Jesus Christ! Um, when Arvid was talking about the base amp thing when he was talking about how somebody took a picture and it turned into something else. I think what's so special about that, and this is also a part of consistency, especially if you do this regularly, what people are always looking for on online when we, we're building audiences or looking to connect with people, they're looking for those human moments. They're looking to find out that you're not a robot. They're looking to find out that you're not a serious guy or, or gal all the time. And I think the moment with Arvid there, what he showed is that he's, he, he, you know, he, he is a human. Arvid shows this kind of thing very regularly, that he's a human. But if you build this over time and regularly show these points where you aren't perfect and you are a human and you bring people along for this, it all comes back again to this, recip- uh, I can't say the re- recip- reciprocity, reciprocity it uh, might be the word <laughs> basically building reciprocation in the things that you do um being human helps that a lot i think to bring people on for your ride uh, that's one of the things that i've i've learned quite a lot over this last six months or something uh, and it's partly into the building public thing bringing people along for the ride instead of just showing them the nice end result the nice horizon that you've arrived at actually bringing people on while you're at the, you know, while you're at the petrol station or whilst you're on the motorway or when you get a flat tire, yeah. actually bringing people along and showing those human moments. I think, I think it's really important. Yeah, because we, we need to, I mean, everybody, every founder knows that, that entrepreneurship is, is going to be great at some moments or in many moments, and then it's going to be disastrous in others, right? Sometimes you're just going to be down. Sometimes you're going to be uh, confronted by a problem that you cannot solve. And it's, it feels like it's the end of all things. And those moments are super scary. So you, you, you kind of, even without starting a business, you know that those moments are around the corner because you hear about, you hear stories about businesses failing and people getting mental health issues and that kind of stuff. So it's always part of the, of the expectation. So fulfilling that expectation makes it also much more relatable, right? People expect founders to sometimes hurt and to sometimes be confused. And if you, if you act like you have everything under control, how, how much of a plastic person do you seem to be at that point, right? You feel f- like alien at the, because you're not real. Like if, if, you, if you don't ever have a moment of doubt or a moment of weakness, like how, how can you be real? Like that, that's not without reason to be called a superhuman because it's human to be not like that. I completely agree. Like being being a human person, just sharing moments of, of not doesn't even have to be vulnerability or weakness. It doesn't have to be something yeah. negative, but sincerity maybe the better word, right? A moment of, of realness, of of actual relatability. I, I I feel that that is where connection happens. Connection also happens in aspirational things, right? Oh, I'm so successful. I want to be like this person. But you don't want to be like this person. You want to be as successful as this person. That's the difference, right? Because if you wanted to be like a person, you would want to be like all the things that they are, not just their success, but also the the other parts of their lives. And that's where connection really comes from. And uh, I, I, I love, and I think also th- those are the people you remember most. Like if you were to ask me about who do I remember on Twitter at this moment, who of the many thousands of people that I follow or that follow me comes to mind, it's the people that post stupid stuff or stuff that happened to them that is just funny, but also somewhat self-deprecating. It's right? something that shows that they are not in complete control, but they're trying. Those people come to my mind, mm. not those heroes that have millions of followers or hundreds of thousands of followers that seem to be doing everything right. They mm. also come to my mind, but in a different way. 
more in a skeptical way even. So um, that, that's definitely something that can score a lot of points with your community. It's just to be a normal person. That, that, that will give you a lot of headway. Yeah, one thought this brings to mind is a video that I recently saw Craig produce on the idea of a full stack creator. And I think uh, this idea of like expanding across mediums from writing, which everyone probably knows me for, to voice and audio on something like a podcast to video on something like YouTube. I think the more and more different dimensions of yourself that you can share with your audience, the more they're going to be able to connect with you. And I may, as a writer, not be someone who is very articulate in 280 characters or less with my feelings, but I think in longer form audio content, I'm able to share more of my own personal vulnerabilities. I think one of the topics that our listeners have really enjoyed listening to, at least from the feedback that I've gotten in DM so far, is some of the conversations we've had early on around imposter syndrome. It's not something that I write about, but it's certainly something I'm comfortable speaking about. Um, and similarly, the more and more dimensions that you can share, you know, there's only one of us and Gary V has like 17 people on his social team, but the more and more dimensions you can expand across on your own without stretching yourself too thin, I think the better, um, because you just begin to share more and more different dimensions of yourself with, with other people. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I want to be really careful talking about this human thing as well. Like we're not humans, like we're robots trying to impersonate humans or something. So I'm, I'm always quite careful with this topic. <laughs> Arvid started twitching. Uh, I think his, uh, his humanity <laughs> yes. filter's dropping. Um, yeah, uh, yeah reason I, the reason I say that is, is because it's, it's similar to the authenticity thing, I, I think, sometimes. People tell you to be authentic and people tell you to be human. But what, what, I, what I'm really trying to say here is ultimately don't think about this shit too much ultimately just show the thing that you are in that moment you know if that is like barry jumping on my shoulder on the podcast that's fine show that thing in the moment don't ultimately be present in in that moment it's okay to have imposter syndrome it's okay to feel like you're not worth it it's okay to to be doing really well and it's okay to be doing really bad and it's okay to share all of those things all at once and I, I think to your point as well Jamie that really helps when you've got all those different mediums going on because I, I often with, with my Twitter with my 280 character tweets I do often flip between think boy type tweets and stupid tweets and question tweets I flip in between them a lot because sometimes I'm not in the mood to write a particular kind of tweet. Sometimes I'm just in the mood to, to be stupid or sometimes I'm in the mood to be serious. And I, I think recognizing that in yourself and actually understanding that it's okay to be consistently inconsistent, um, which ironically builds a more consistent personality at the end of the day, I think what's really important, that, that's a really confusing point I'm making there, but basically I'm saying be human, but don't try and be human. Yeah, you're, you're sustaining your, your own patterns by executing on your randomness, right? I think there is pattern, there is a pattern yeah. beneath that apparent in the moment kind of randomness. So we see there is a distribution. What, what I, um, I, yeah, definitely, is, is what I what I want to say here is don't feel like you should not do a thing. I'm trying to be, be clear about this, but don't keep yourself from being yourself just because you think there are expectations out there for who you should be, because yeah. you should just be whatever. Right? And if because through your actions comes what you are, so don't don't keep yeah. yourself from just acting on whatever impulse you might have and uh, whatever kind of thing you might want to talk about. Because if it's if it, if you think it might be stupid, then thousands of other people also think it might be stupid, and they don't say it. Why not be the first to actually say it and see what people do? with how people react, right? There's there's value in not start stopping yourself too much from the things that you think might confuse other people because we all have this constant inner monologue of censorship and approval seeking going on that maybe for you to be yourself, you kind of step out of this 
and you ignore what the audience might want to hear and just talk about what you want to say <laughs> because it's really yeah. about what perception you generate is not up to you. What people perceive you to be is their thing. Everybody interprets from their own perspective, right? So whatever I say now, some people might find this completely ridiculous because they uh, believe that to be socially acceptable, you have to be socially accepted. And I, I agree with this kind of, but I also kind of don't because we are kind of in, in, a, in a situation where we are blazing the trail for whatever thing that we're super interested in that other people might not be as interested in at this point. So the conventions are there to be broken if you want to change them. So, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, that, that's really stop thinking about other people. And I guess this leads to the whole imposter syndrome. If you don't think you're 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 acting in a a role that you're not an external role well then you don't have to feel these feelings of inadequacy because if you don't have anything to fulfill well then you are fulfilling it by default right because you don't have anything to fulfill and you do that pretty well by not doing anything so that's perfect yeah just don't follow these structures too much i i i resonate strongly with that because i i mean there's some days when i'm super disciplined and I, I'm, I'm sat here reading Marcus Aurelius's meditations and then I want to write tweets like that mm-hmm. and, and then I might write tweets like that and yeah. then there's other days where I've wasted an entire day replying on Twitter uh, and th- those two two things are completely opposite I am always I, I, I am always thinking about this actually yeah. I, I am always trying not to self-censor myself but ultimately by thinking about that, I am actually censoring myself in, in, in some way because I, I am a massive contradiction in everything that I do. And we all are. We're all this. I am a designer. I, I make YouTube videos for some reason. I tweet. Um, I'm interested in stoicism. I'm interested in productivity and consistency and being disciplined. But then I also dick around on Twitter and, and and do all kinds of weird stuff and I'm a pretty weird guy none of it really makes sense I dare dare I say it quite funny and all of that stuff comes together to make literally no sense to anybody and if I was to be consistent in terms of the content that I produce well by now I probably would have written another kind of extreme production type book that was all about productivity and blah 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 and you you've you've got to you've got to you know be like Marcus Aurelius or whatever but I, I've gone off on so many different tangents since then and every day that's a different tangent and and that's okay but what I what I'm really trying to get at is, is that yes be consistent when in terms of turning up but you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. I would encourage people not to pigeonhole themselves and be comfortable with the fact that they're growing slower on Twitter, even if that's a metric for you. It might not even be a metric. We don't all have to have big Twitter followings or big followings on anything. It doesn't matter. But just be comfortable with the place that you're at right now and don't look at other people and think, I want to be a, a Jack Butcher or I want to be a Dickie Bush or... I want to be an Harvey Carl or a Jamie Russo. Just be comfortable in just sitting where you are right now and, and showing those ex- eccentricity. I can't say any words today. Those weird sides of you. Yeah, I like that though. Because that, that internal tension between all these weird non-overlapping things, and that's just you, right? The keeping us all together. Yeah. And that is super interesting, like how somebody can keep all of these things balanced in a meaningful way. That is already quite the accomplishment. Yeah. I feel the same way about my, my interests and desires and, and visions and whatever. Right? Yeah. Lots of them don't really make sense in, in, together or in isolation. So just, <laughs> being, just dealing with this every single day and still coming out a, a human living person, now that's just kind of cool. And I'd like to continue doing this. Mm. Yeah, I think I think if there's any takeaway, Craig, from what you just shared, it's like no one should want to be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there could be things that you like about me. Um, feel free to feel free to take some of those, right? But no one should want to. Be, I don't want to be Jack Butcher. I don't want to be Naval. I don't want to be you know. I, I want to be me, 
there are things that I admire about great writers. Um, and I, I, I like, I really enjoyed Paulo Coelho's writing and there are different attributes that I want to absorb myself from a writer like him. Um, but I don't want to be him. There are, there, are, there's a difference. And so take, take little pieces of what you like from others and, uh, and emulate and, and learn and find your own voice through that. Um, but there's, there's no reason that anyone should want to be someone else. Yeah. It's a very mature attitude to have though. And it's actually very hard to cultivate because even, even probably a year ago, I wanted to be Jack Butcher or I, I wanted to be Naval or somebody else had seen having massive success online, but ultimately you you can't ever be that person. You always be a step behind them, several thousand steps behind them. If you're trying to be them, yeah. if you're just trying to be this weird person that you are, you're always going to be number one. And I know it's a cliche, but it, it is true. It's, it's, it's like the hardest thing to do to lean into yourself to to talk about all the weird things that you've got and not and being consistent with your consistency but ultimately it's the only way i think not only that you see success but you actually feel comfortable you actually feel happy with what you're doing yeah support it too because you see what works and what doesn't right like you can lean into the things that resonate with other people if you start by engaging them now if, if you just like tweet to zero followers every day obviously there will be no resonance because you don't have anybody to actually give you feedback but the moment you reach out to people and you say something smart or you say something cute and you see how many people like that part and how many people like that part and then you lean towards that and build uh the, your personal brand around a particular way of engaging with people without obviously distorting yourself Hey, that, that is a way to figuring it out, right? So it's an experimental starting approach to see right. where you can go. Like and then you just get these people and, and and get them on board with you, with your personal journey. And, and to, to the point of not becoming the next Jack Butcher. Yeah, you want to be like beside him as something different, right? You, you can't reach him because he'll always be ahead because he has plans for his future that you're not aware of, aware of until they actually become reality. And only then can you go towards them, right? His goals are for him somewhere but if you have your own goals you're just there at the same time i mean we are all here at the same time as jack butcher is on twitter and he's doing amazing work and he's doing workshops that are really cool with really cool people and so are we (laughs) right there's really nothing um about the numbers that this guy has that makes his life any different from ours other than that he has a couple years ahead of us maybe in in time building this audience or spending time building his audience but a couple years from now we'll be number wise where he was today and we still we will be talking about what jack butch does it really doesn't matter honestly i i don't know where the story was supposed to go i mean just think about where he was a year ago yeah like at the very beginning yeah so i mean everyone that's you know everyone that's out there on their own journey um should should realize and understand a year ago, uh, no one wanted to be like Jack Butcher. No one knew who Jack Butcher was. Maybe eighteen months, but <laughs> let's just say. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's done this. It's amazing. So um, everyone should just be comfortable, kind of carving their own path, taking little bits from others, and just showing up every day because that's the secret. I think that's a, a beautiful way to end it. Unless anybody's got any final, more beautiful soliloquies they want to share. I think that was the top. That was the best one. <laughs> Jamie wins this one. We've peaked and that's it. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, that, that's it, I guess. And until until next time. When we finally think of a name for this podcast and we actually move Ooh. it away from mine. Um yeah. We should crowdsource it. I think so. We should yeah. put it out here right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we we need a name. We need we've a name already is, we've already had some good. fan art sent our way. I think we might already have a, a cover photo for our. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Our that's right. Um, but yeah, yeah, we just need a name. name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Please help us. Please, we we, we really are <laughs> incapable. We're three creatives, but we cannot come up with a name does not work for us well we with three people it's really hard right you know we, we're all gonna have our own ideas and someone's going yeah i don't like that the other two like it so okay yeah, yeah so we are looking for a name we have an idea we've done three of these episodes now we quite enjoy talking to each other we want to spin it out into a, a separate podcast we don't know what to call it what what's some of the ideas we've had already or should we not even share those 
No, let's let's keep this a blank slate. Let's uh, let's see what people come up with. We can always pitch our really good ideas at some later point. You know. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody get a prize? Oh yeah. I Are mean, we... I'm throwing out. I could throw out some free books for sure. Yeah, I got a, got a couple <laughs> of books too. So yeah, that, that could work. <laughs> so whoever comes up with a winning name gets a couple of Jamie's books and a couple of Harvey's books. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw, I'll do a signed copy of my book. Uh, that'll make it a little juicy. I've, I've got, the same. What, what have I got? I've got, I've got a bell. Oh, it's somebody can win a bell. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the ultimate desperation. Just like grabbing things. I got, got a couple of these here <laughs> to use for cleaning my glasses. So, so we've got a Hollywood tower bell. Uh, we, nice. We've got Jamie Russo's fantastic book and Avi Carl's fantastic. I book. mean, we we could open up our first guest speaker spot as well. I think we could probably bring this uh, amazing right. human being onto the show. That's right, and and we we're going to give him the royal treatment, call him Your Highness, and that kind of stuff in in the interview. That'd be perfect. Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>